Hello and welcome back to Tachikawa. You are listening to Sakamichi Nights. My name is Matthew Boynton and I am joined as always by Daniel Bellamy. How are you today, Daniel? Pretty good, man. I feel like I don't know what you have up your sleeve, but this is going to be two weeks in a row with no retractions. Okay. I mean, I don't have one. Do you? Everything I have said for the last two episodes has been 100% correct. I mean, no uh, if we even it all out, then basically everything we've ever said has been correct. There have been how many retractions? Two, three two. Yeah. over the, the whole one, yeah. the whole course of uh, of this podcast. Mm. I think that basically doesn't count. We can take mulligans on those. Okay. Uh, and so, why do we just say that we are 100% correct about everything? all the time take that to the bank absolutely um i don't know if you remember last week not really yeah that was the question the podcast I don't or everything yeah just last week in general yeah, no. last week we had in a uh, renowned homebrewer frank the dank thank yeah. you very much for joining us frank uh and as uh, as we were drinking our slam dank double ipa we decided to pair it we we spanned the wheel of pairings and we paired it with um with drinking companions mm-hmm and uh, I don't remember exactly how it came up, but uh, I do remember that Jimmy Carter's brother yeah. was invited to our beer summit. Was it, wasn't it not just Jimmy Carter? Uh, I think it ended up being Jimmy Carter's brother, okay. Billy Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly he could bring along Jimmy Carter. Uh, and this is plus one. Possibly also the swamp rabbit that tried to the murder giant Jimmy Carter. Swamp rabbit. So you have Story looked this up since then. Yeah. Have you looked it up since then? I did. Oh, I mean, you sent it to me yep. to prove your point. Yep. So I, w- I was right. It was a giant. Swamp rabbits are a thing. Moving on. I did not know. Moving on. Uh, so there is a retraction today. Thank you very much to Kevin from Oklahoma, very much friend of Sakamichi, for getting mm. in touch with us to tell me about uh, an aspect of this story that I was not aware of, but perhaps you were. Yeah. And that is that um, Jimmy Carter's brother, Billy Carter, mm. actually had a beer named after him. Yeah. It's called Billy. Yeah. The beer was called Billy. Billy I, beer. I'd like to read you a little bit from the Wikipedia page about Billy Beer, because I did some research about this beer. Okay. Um, Billy, Billy Beer is a brand of beer first made in the United States in July 1977 by the Fall City Brewing Company. It was promoted by Billy Carter, whose older brother Jimmy was then the president of the United States. Let's read the endorsement, written on each can with the words of endorsement, which were followed by Billy Carter's signature. Brewed expressly for and with the personal approval of one of America's all-time great beer drinkers, Billy Carter. Mm. Who do you say the other American all-time great beer drinkers are? Andre the Giant. Yeah, he's not actually American, of course. I mean, we adopted him. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know, there's probably other great, great. ones. M- moving on. Isn't there a cricket player, Pat Boone? Pat something Boone. Boone? Yeah, uh, an Australian. Yeah. One, of, one of those famous American cricket players. Great beer drinker, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you could pick pretty much any Major League Baseball roster from the 1970s, and there would be some Titanic beer drinkers. John Daly. John Daly, of course. He's American. Uh, the diver? Swimmer? Anyway, moving on. Um, Billy continues, I had this beer brewed up just for me. I think it's the best I ever tasted, and I've tasted a lot. I think you'll like it too. Mm. The article concludes, Despite Carter's promotion of Billy Breer, in private, he drank Pabst. Hmm. <laughs> it was brewed for him. Yes, but he didn't actually, he, he endorsed it fully, wholeheartedly. He didn't actually right. drink it. And perhaps that's why in October 1978, just over a year after the beer was released, Full City announced that it was closing. Wow. The brewery was shut 
down. They really felt like they had a million dollar idea. So here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Let's take any successful craft beer brewery, probably an American one. Okay. What celebrity endorsement would shut it down the fastest? It's a, it's a really tough question because right now, anybody that you choose is basically going to cut off like half your business. Right. But make the other, I don't want to say half of America, but maybe... 25% of America mm. rabid and adoring fans whether or not they actually support your brand you're I saying that America is a polarized place at the moment uh, sure I don't I wouldn't say it's 50-50 um, in general polling doesn't support that but uh, yeah I, I think that whoever you choose is, is there someone that is universally hated mm. so it needs to be somebody who is loathed contempt, held in contempt across, across all strata of society who are you going to choose? Who is the most loathed celebrity in America? Uh, John Stamos. I don't know who that is. Uh, he was in Full House, the original Full House, not Fuller House. Okay. Maybe he is in Fuller House. I don't know. I've never seen it. He's probably not doing much. He probably is in Fuller House as well. And dare I ask, why is he so disliked now? Uh, I, I can't really think of a reason. Like I said, if you have a position that makes you hated by some people, you're going to be loved by okay. others. And so, I feel like he... Uh, as far as I know, does not have any deeply held position. That's someone we could all get behind. I was worried that you were going to reveal some dreadful conviction that (laughs) that was going to derail this bit. Yeah, I mean, if we want to go dark, it's probably Jared from Subway. Right. (laughs) I I don't know beyond that. Osama bin Laden. Kind of all get into that. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm going to say if you want to torpedo your brand, you Mm. could do a lot worse than to hire James Corden to be your spokesperson. Okay. Isn't he the karaoke in the car with James Corden something? Yes, that is the right. name of the show, yes. Uh, universally despised, uh, at least in my house. In England, though. not in. I mean, not your house is not in England, but... It is spiritually. We drink a lot of tea. But uh, that, that would be my answer. Either Osama bin Laden or James Corden. Or perhaps... Equally... One or both. Yeah. You could, uh, you could have really? them teaming up. It's like the I'm a PC, I'm a Mac adverts. Really sink it to the bottom. Um, but... Uh, who is it in Japan? Who is the most loathed celebrity yeah. Who can we tie our brand to to really um, trash it into the gutter? Uh, it's got to be Bobby Judo, right? Japan's most despicable celebrity. That's true. He's all over the place, and as far as I can tell, nobody likes him. Right. We're not just here to cast shade at uh, Fukuoka micro-celebrities, though, are we? (laughs) What is the the purpose of this uh, podcast? We're here to celebrate beer. All right. We're here to celebrate beer, and uh, I listened to an episode of a podcast called Ishikawa Summit to Sea recently. Hmm. Okay. And do you know what they did? the opening of their, their their pod. Did they celebrate something? They reviewed a beer. Heathens. Well, I'm going to... They claimed to be reviewing the beer. But mm. all they really did was drink it and go, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. I, uh, saw, I saw them write about the episode and said that they were pretty drunk for that episode. But yeah. are, are they normally pretty drunk? Uh, it's hard to say, really. Um, it was a an incoherent rambling mess. Hmm. So pretty much standard for those guys. Um, There were also, I have to say, and this is addressed specifically to the two of them, there were a lot of promises made about coming to visit us here at Sakamichi Mm. last Sunday. Did those come to fruition? just by Joe, but by Casey as well. Oh, wow. There were a lot of rash promises made. I cleared my schedule for the day. I even cleared it 
with my young children on a Sunday, no, and my wife. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's your family day. That's family day. I had to. I stood up to the family in the morning mm. as we were enjoying our crumpets, and I said, "Family, I have bad news. You will be seeing very little of me today." No, because father. Two of my best friends from Ishikawa are coming to visit us mm. to spend a lot of money in our tap room, and I feel that I must be present for this momentous occasion. I'm sure they were heartbroken, but I, I would imagine they understood. They were certainly heartbroken yeah. when it when it was revealed to them that I would, in fact, be spending the rest of the day with them, um, because <laughs> neither neither of the Ishikawa Seventy podcasters actually turned up. Man, there's going to be a big retraction on their episode. I I very much look forward to the explanation that we are owed. Um, Anyway, they were reviewing a beer, or at least they claim to be reviewing a beer on Mm. their podcast. Is that something that we do on this podcast? No, absolutely not. Uh, Everybody knows that this is not a review show. And why is it that we don't review the beers? Uh, because we drink beer on the show, we celebrate beer on the show that we are serving here in the tap room, and everything we serve here is good. So if we're drinking it on the show, uh, you know it's good. It's served here. We don't serve bad beer. It's on the menu. It means it's good beer. That's all the review you need. Uh, the one that we're going to be drinking this week is actually a beer that I was, I'm going to say, particularly excited mm. about getting to Pretty try. Pretty interesting, yeah. Um, it's my two breweries that I really like, and an importer who I really like, mm. um, and it is called Pintly Evil. Is yeah. it Pintly or Pintly Evil? I have been saying Pintly. Mm, the uh, Katakana says Pintly Evil, so I don't know. Right. It doesn't say Pintly Evil. Interesting. Uh, and this is a beer that Devilcraft, our good friends at Devilcraft, made mm. in collaboration with one of England's leading breweries, um, Burnt Mill of of Suffolk. It's one of the S counties. I've Mm. probably got that wrong. Uh, And Burnt Mill have uh, one of their flagships is called Pintle. Yeah. Not Pintle. I think it's called Pintle. Yeah. And so Devilcraft based this recipe on the recipe uh, of Pintle. Mm. Um, But it includes a little bit of local flair. They used some uh, local Saitama uh, wheat, I believe, from a a wheat farm that they have a relationship with. This is a project that a lot of the, um, like several leading Japanese breweries did with the importer uh, pairing up with some of the different breweries that they, uh, that they import. So we, we had in here Lupulin Trip, which was West Coast Brewing's take on Knee Deep's Lupulin River, uh, which was excellent. It was really nice as well. Uh, that, so this is a part of that same project. That's right, yeah. And uh, am I right in saying that this was all... Uh, part of the the general celebration that went on for A-Cube Evolution's mm. 10th anniversary. Yeah, they, right. they brought together a lot of people. Um, so the, the Devilcraft version of this beer includes some interesting hops, Citra, Cascade, and Sladek, which is a, a Czech hop, kind of a noble hop. Apparently Sladek means brewer in Czech. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to trying this collision between East and West American and Czech hops. Why don't we dive into it? All right, welcome back. Some people say that the more access you have to beer, the more kind of niche your tastes get. You're going to be drinking smoked lagers. 
and uh, rauch beers, really sour kind of things. But I find that when I go to a beer bar these days, the two styles that I am drawn to immediately are pilsners and pale ales. Hmm. I like to keep it simple mm. these days. I don't want anything fancy. I will try that, of course. And I'm who knows where the night's going to take me. But where I'm going to start is probably either with a pilsner or a pale ale. Right. How about you? Yeah, I... I... Uh, I don't want to be like a beer worker's cliche, but I've I've really appreciated well-crafted lagers recently. Mm-hmm. And that's a bit of a, I think, a bit of a, like, all the brewers are going back to lagers kind of joke. But uh, but for me, it's definitely true. Partly, I, I wonder if some of these styles are kind of underserved. You see less of them. You see so much of the other stuff that finding a good lager, finding a good pilsner, or a, or a really tasty pale ale is a bit harder than finding a good hazy IPA. Reject modernity, embrace tradition. Mm, Here we are with uh, a couple of glasses of what I think is an extremely good example of what the modern pale ale Mm. should be. What do you think of this Pintley Evil? Uh, We've had Pintle on tap before a couple times. Uh, It's a great beer. I I like this project because the Japanese breweries, I, I believe the process was that they got to choose a beer from the brewery that they wanted to emulate. Right. That they wanted to make their version of. I could be wrong about that, but uh, that's my guess. Let's just say it's true and we can Let's retract say it's it next true. week. Uh, so out, out of everything that Burnt Mill makes, and we've had a lot of great Burnt Mill beer in here. Uh, they make great hazy IPAs. They make, uh, we've had some coffee stouts from them that were incredible. We've had a, uh, like a, a big variety of real big, bold beers from them that were delicious. Uh, so it's interesting to me that Devilcraft chose uh, Pintle, like the the pale ale, kind of it's quite light, low alcohol type thing. Um, but as we know from Pintle, they pack a ton of flavor into that package. Uh, and I think this beer also packs a ton of flavor into it. If I had to describe it in one word, it's crisp. Um, it kind of hits you big up front and then it vanishes in a really nice, clean, refreshing way. Uh, I get some notes of grapefruit in there, but it's kind of uh, it, it's a bit of a complex citrusy flavor to it, which obviously if you're using a lot of citra, it's going to show up in there. And then I think you get you you taste the malt coming through it. I wonder if that's like the the Sladek hops, the Czech noble hops, augmenting the the malt bill, because you can taste that backbone in there as well. But it's it's really crisp, right? It hits you quick. And it kind of fades out after that in a really nice, refreshing way. Yeah, this is really the kind of beer that you can drink uh, at any time and any occasion. You want a breakfast beer? This is mm-hmm. the one. Um, you want a beer to settle your nerves before your driving test? This is the one. <laughs> this is all terrible advice. Clearly, I'm joking about this. But uh, no, I, I think you're right. It's, it's crisp, but also juicy. I do get quite a lot mm. of citrus fruit yeah. from this. Um, I, I looked up Sladek hops uh, before starting to record today, and uh, apparently, yeah, they have a lot of citrus and kind of maybe passion fruit flavors mm. to them as well. Okay. So they're adding a bit of complexity to um, your classic citra, com- uh, citra and cascade combination mm. of, uh, of big citrus fruits. But it's just a, a super well-balanced beer. Yep. Like no, no aspect of this is uh, overwhelming the other parts of it. Yeah. Um, it's... It's moderate in ABV. It's super flavorsome. I mm. could drink a lot of it without getting tired. It is the perfect brewer's beer, mm. I think. Uh, and maybe that is why the brewers at Devilcraft 
chose to, right. chose this one yeah. to, to try and recreate. Mm. Uh, I, I'm kind of describing both Pintle and Pintly Evil here. Sure, yeah. they're, they're very similar recipes. It's, it's, it really seems like such an interesting task because Pintle is, I, I, don't, I don't know necessarily that it's Burnt Mill's flagship, but it's definitely one of their main beers. Uh, so for all of the breweries to say, hey, choose, choose, choose a big beer from this other brewery and do your version of it. Uh, it's like doing, you know, doing a cover of a song and then performing it for the original artist. Right. You want to bring your own style to it, but you also want to honor the original, right? You want to say, you want it to be close enough that you go, okay, hey, I noticed Pintle in this, but you've done some cool, interesting things with it. If you could uh, choose one of the Japanese brewery to do a cover version of one of our beers, which beer would you choose and which brewery would it be? Uh, I would actually like to have uh, Shiba-san from Kunitachi Brewery do Shibasaki Session, maybe. Okay. He's been doing a lot of raw beers right. uh, where you don't boil the wort. Right. Uh, and I haven't had them, but I have talked to other people whose opinions I trust that have, and they say they're great. Uh, and he's been really getting into that style. So I would be pretty interested to see him do like a raw take on Shibasaki Session. Shibasaki Raw Session. Yeah. Sounds good. It, just, it writes itself. Shibasan, again, like as, as with everyone else, I know you listen to this podcast. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope that we are helping you to improve your English with this podcast. <laughs> um, well, Shibasaki Session is already a very quick beer to make. Mm. The, the Kvike Yeast chews through that fermentation really fast so imagine how much faster it would be if we didn't even have to boil the ingredients <laughs> just uh, stick it on the fermenter and add the yeast to see what happens we're getting dangerously close to pairing territory now so why do we move on to that section um every week when we try one of the beers we also like to pair it with one of eight options but uh thanks to feedback from the aforementioned ishikawa summit to see podcast we try not to uh, pick the same option week after week um, in a row. So we're not going to choose the two that we had on the most two recent episodes, which were, of course... Two weeks ago was Wildcard, so we can have that. Yep. Uh, but last week, Slam Dank, we chose Drinking Companions. So uh, no Drinking Companions. So let's roll the dice and find out what it's going to be. Number two, TV or movies? All right, Pintly Evil. What would you like to be watching as you are crushing several glasses of this very delicious beer? Uh, I would like to watch uh, Army of Darkness. Right. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies, and I haven't seen it in quite a while. And a clip of it kind of came came across my radar recently, and I was like, I got to watch that movie again. Uh, I want to watch it with this beer. This is uh, Pintly Evil, Pintly Evil, and Army of Darkness is in the, the Evil Dead uh, lineage, right? Stars Ash uh, from the Evil Dead movies. Army of Darkness takes it in a much more kind of comedic way. So it's a yeah. horror film, but uh, it is quite gory. But it's also very, very funny. Um, so uh, I want something evil to drink with this evilly named beer. That's Bruce, what I'm choosing. Bruce Campbell as Ash. And um, one of the most striking visuals that I can still recall from that movie is of a skeleton playing a flute. Mm. Of all of the instruments that you could choose for a skeleton to play. Right. The one that requires lungs. And lips. It was a bold choice. Yeah. But uh, it worked, I have to say. Yeah. And Halloween is coming up soon. Perhaps we should have some flute-playing right. skeletons in here to really celebrate uh, the spooky season. 
There's also the great scene, you know, the climactic scene. I, I'm going to give spoilers away. I don't really care. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. But uh, he has to say the magical phrase uh, to kind of save the day, basically. And he's been told this magical phrase, you know, once earlier in the beginning of the movie. So we come to this climactic moment and he's there and he's ready to say the magic phrase to kind of end this evil invasion. And he just can't remember it. And it's 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 great because Bruce Campbell is incredible. He's a great comedic actor. But it's also great because, yeah, of course he doesn't remember it. You know, no one... You were told this, like, in movie time, six extremely traumatic months ago. You're not going to remember it when it comes time to actually say it. Uh, that scene absolutely slayed me the first time I saw it. If you're looking it up, it's... Klatu Verata Niktu, isn't it? I that's almost exactly what I was thinking it was. I was getting the Niktu and the Verata the wrong way around. Right. Yes. Um I is that not a phrase from the day the earth stood still or something like that. Mm, yeah, anyway, it's, it's from something, yeah. We're straying into movie trivia right. territory there, which is really Ishikawa Summit to see's uh, specialty area. That's what I've heard. I'm also gonna go in the uh horror comedy, comma horridy, mm-hmm. horror comedy, comma mm-hmm. comedy, mm-hmm. Koruma. Uh, direction uh, and pick a TV series called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Excellent. Yeah. Which is probably one of the funniest TV series yeah. that has ever been created. Mm. Don't even remember what life was like before the internet existed, Daniel. Um, that's only the first 30 or 40 years of your life. <laughs> but um, I was in university when that uh, show was first transmitted. And as we were very popular young lads, my flatmates and I were sitting around on a Thursday evening at home watching television. Sure. Uh, and this TV show just happened to come on. And we were suckers for any kind of comedy that was randomly being shown on uh, Channel 4, I believe it was. Uh, and so this came across and it absolutely blew our minds. Mm. What is this? Yeah. This is incredible. I have heard Garth Marenghi's Dark Place described as the, um, the Velvet Underground of comedy okay everybody who saw it in the 90s is now a comedian right (laughs) i'll rephrase that a bit any successful stand-up comedian uh currently in the uk was a big fan of garth marenghi's that place that was an awakening moment for them um it's very hard to describe uh it's basically the conceit is that um there is a very successful horror author called garth marenghi who is uh, looking back, doing a retrospective on a TV show that he was the writer of from the 80s. And so we watched the TV show and it is interspersed with uh, interviews from Garth Marenghi himself and uh, his publicist, Dean Lerner, uh, Richard Ayadi, who is actually the, the writer of the show. Mm. Um, but it is, it is a, a nonstop uh, laugh fest and it is an absolute classic. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely masterfully done and so to take something that sounds quite simple Mm. quite easy it's almost rote but to do so much with it i think matches this beer very well and it does have the evil in it as well it does yeah i still remember the speech he gave about accidentally having to uh to spend the night in Glasgow. Mm, the one Scotch night. plague was it the Scotch plague episode? Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, he, he his horror reflecting yeah. on the evening that he spent in Glasgow, teenage mothers propping themselves <laughs> up on their prams while they vomit into the gutter. And I've been to Glasgow, I have to say, hundred percent accurate. 
100 it's a, accurate. Uh, Matthew Berry is in that as well, right? Uh, yes. A relatively young Matthew Berry. Yeah. Uh, at the end of that particular speech, the whole thing goes on and then just calm as anything, as if he hadn't heard this horrific, like incredibly dramatic speech, he goes, what did he say? Like, my grandma lives in Glasgow. She says it's quite nice. Well, she's wrong. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's an absolute classic. I think you probably watch the whole thing on YouTube if you want to. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Grab some Pintly Evil to enjoy mm. while you're doing so. Good suggestion. I'm a big fan of the show. I went through a period, uh, as a lot of us do working in Japan, you work with a lot of people from different countries. And right. I worked with and was friends with a bunch of uh, different, uh, well, English people, I guess. Okay. I don't know why that was hard for me to come up with. Um, but anyway, I ended up watching tons and tons of British comedy. And uh, I think people probably with relatively similar sense of humor to yours ended up on uh, Garth Marenghi's Darth Place, uh, Dark Place, excuse me, and uh, uh, what was it, League of Gentlemen as well. Right. Uh, also fantastic. Mighty Boosh. I don't enjoy the Mighty Boosh at all. Pretty weird. I, I, I do enjoy when we both stick to the same genre. Anyway, moving on. Um, one of the things that some of our customers have noticed about beer from uh, Burnt Mill, the collaborator uh, on this week's beer is the texture of their labels, mm-hmm. right? They have, um, it's hard to describe it, a kind of rough character to them. It feels very expensive and very classy, but mm. um, there are also smooth sections yep. on the labels. And, and it so, ties in with what the image is, right? Right, that's right. So it, it's, a, it's a tactile experience mm. when you're holding one of those cans. And I don't know if you've noticed, but um, actually... From the uh, the most recent batch that we have in the fridge, in cans, they actually have Japan-specific labels. Oh, Did really? This? Yeah. So, in the past, when we have had burnt milk cans in, um, the importer of the beer is required to stick a little label on it because it has to say, where was this beer made? Mm. Um, who was the importer? What's the address of the importer? And is it beer or haposhu? Mm-hmm. Um, But because of the kind of textured nature of the cans, um, those labels had a very hard time sticking to them. They would often peel Ah, off or fall off. And so I guess that A-Cube Evolution, the importer, and Burt Mill have worked together to create some Japan-specific labels that Mm. already have all of that information printed Mm. on them. So they don't need to add um, the stickers Mm. later on. Right. Uh, And that leads me rather neatly into a listener question that we received a couple of weeks ago. Mm, solid segue. From uh, Mr. Bean, of Ishikawa Summit to see. And um, basically, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He was drinking a beer from one of his and our favorite breweries, West Coast Brewing. Yep. Extremely delicious, hazy IPA. But then he noticed on the label mm-hmm. that it was labeled as haposhu. Oh, no. And not beer. Oh, my. Uh, and so, as I said, all labels of uh, a beer or haposhu in Japan need to say which one they are. Yeah. So he was a little bit surprised to find that because haposhu has a bit of a negative image mm. in Japan, mm. whereas beer has a, a higher quality image. So he felt there was a disconnect between the high quality beer he was drinking and the label that said haposhu mm. on it. Have you uh, have you ever noticed? people worrying about that kind of thing as they're pulling stuff out of the fridge here? I haven't... No one has said anything to me. 
uh, I bet but potentially people have pulled something out and looked at it and seen that something said Haposhu on it and maybe that bothered them. I'm not sure. But no one has said anything specifically to me about it. All of the uh, kegs as well have to say on them. Mm. Um, I mean, we don't have to say it when we're serving it, but the keg itself will have a collar or a keg cap or something that has to say on it, whether it is beer or Haposhu. Mm. So I thought we could spend a little bit of time um, explaining just what Haposhu is and where that definition comes from. And then at the end, to keep things a little bit spicy, I've prepared a short quiz for you. Okay. So this is going to be a lot of me talking from my prepared notes. So please do be prepared to jump in with jokes and asides to uh, to keep everybody engaged. I've to, already checked out. To, to stop them from falling asleep uh, during the segment. Is the quiz going to be about things that you're going to cover now? Is, it, is, is all the material in the in this, what, diatribe monologue? I, what are we calling it? I guess you'll find out. Hmm. I need to know if I should pay attention or not. All right, here we go. Haposhu, yep. as a category of drink, has existed since about the late 80s and was established okay. as a way of helping local Japanese breweries compete against cheaper imports. Mm. So there was beer coming over from overseas that was significantly cheaper yep. than the, the domestic Japanese beer. The tax office wanted to help local beer to compete against that, at least in terms of price. Okay. So the Japan alcohol tax system divided beer-like malt beverages mm. into four categories based on malt content. Okay. So basically how much, what percentage of uh, the fermentable sugars did mm. malt make up? Yeah, okay. Um, so 67% or higher was number one. That's beer. Oh, man. There's actual had, numbers. Yep, yes. 50 Jesus. to 67, 25 to 50, and then less than 25 Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all the local domestic breweries started making beers. Well, not all of them, but they started making beers that had like 66% malt. Mm -hmm. So they could take advantage of this lower tax band. Yeah, right. Uh, and sell their beer for cheaper. Right, okay. What do you think the tax office did next? Uh, change the percentages? Um, almost. They realized they were losing a lot of tax revenue. And so they made the, the tax for that second band... The 50 to 67, the same as 67 or okay. above. Okay, yeah. So it's it, still Haposhu. It's going to be one of those two things, yeah. It's still Haposhu, but you have to pay the same amount of tax right. as you would for regular beer. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Japanese uh, breweries reacted to that by basically just lowering the malt content yeah. in sure. their beer. Yeah. Oh, you want us to pay more taxes? How about we make uh, beer with less malt in it? Uh, and so today, most stuff that you would see in the supermarket that is labeled as Haposhu contains less than 25% malt as a uh, percentage of the fermentable sugars. Okay. So that's putting it into the lowest tax category of low malt beer. So the three categories still exist, though? They still exist. Is well, anything uh, made in the second category? Uh, basically, no. Okay. No, it is not. Mm. Because the On tax, a macro scale. The, the tax right. would be the same. Yeah. Um, there is another trend as well, which is to make uh, beer with no uh, malted barley whatsoever oh okay. uh, or to use unmalted barley. So um, Sapporo's Mugi 100% Namashibari uh, uses unmalted barley in it. Interesting. Uh, some uh, haposhus use no malt at all. Uh, and some of them, the, the lowest rank, uh, blend haposhu with barley spirits. Interesting. So there's really very little beer or brewing going on in that at all and now using unmalted barley is not unheard of in craft beer either right but you don't use it in large quantities right, right. you use yes. it as a, a it's not an adjunct crane i'm not sure but like 
as a specialty, not malt, but specialty grain in your bill. Yeah, as part of the, the grain bill yeah. to add a bit of a, a grainy character mm. to, to the beer. Um, so we'll be coming to that. But this is kind of, this is why Haposhu has a negative connotation in Japan. Sure, because yeah. the kind of stuff that you would pick up off the shelf may contain no malt whatsoever. It may be a blend of very low rank beer together with barley spirits and other kind of stuff. It's going to give you a terrible headache the next yeah. day, no matter what it is. Um, so that, that's, that's one way that Haposhu exists. Um, another way is that, uh, at least until recently, there was a list of allowable ingredients mm. that you could put into beer, a bit like the German Reinheitsgebot. Um, and so if you want to legally sell something as beer, then you can add basically malted barley or wheat, hops, adjuncts such as rice, corn, sorghum, potato, sugar, caramel, and such. And that's it, mm. basically. Those were, those were your list. So that meant that some imported, say, Belgian beers or North American craft beers were also designated as Haposhu, even though they meet that malt requirement. They're over 67% malt. If they had one of those ingredients in them, they would be considered to be Haposhu. Right. At least until recently oh snap whoa so in 2018 mm. the tax office in a radical departure from their regular mode of behavior um recognized that the world was changing around them and wow. decided to change the law um you know to, to reflect the fact that craft beer in japan and overseas was becoming more popular yep uh and so the uh the list of ingredients that you were allowed to put into beer was expanded mm. uh, and the following additives are now included in permissible ingredients see if you can spot any kind of rhyme or reason to this list i'm okay. going to read you off the categories of things that you are are now allowed to put in and still call it beer okay uh a fruits okay b coriander mm -hmm. c <laughs> very general to very specific C, pepper, cinnamon, clove, sancho, and other spices. Oh, okay. And then we kind of split the difference by naming specific ones and then just blowing it wide open. All right, let's go. D, chamomile, sage, basil, lemongrass, and other herbs. Okay. So herbs. Yes. And spices. <laughs> I mean, all of this could have been one category, right? Called herbs and spices. Right. E, sweet potato, pumpkin, and other vegetables. Okay. Yep. Good. F, buckwheat and sesame. Okay. G, honey, salt, and miso. <laughs> That's the, the three cornerstones of a very healthy breakfast right there. H. Bring up going. I'm listening. Let's H, go. flowers, tea, cocoa, coffee. Oh, oh, okay. You know, if you're sitting down to a nice breakfast of honey, salt, and miso... What could be more delicious than a nice glass of flowers, tea, cocoa, and coffee? My favorite. I, the final category. Oysters, yeah. kombu, uh -huh. wakame, bonito flakes. Okay. Those that are the strangely categories. limiting, that one. Yes, but okay. not other seafood yeah, items. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the, the list of allowed ingredients was expanded. That's bizarre. I, I want to know what that meeting was. Also, typically... As is typical with these kind of uh, tax office documents, you have to read between the lines a little. So when it says fruits, you are allowed to minimally process the fruits. So something like just peeling it or juicing it, it doesn't change the fundamental nature of the fruit. Mm -hmm. That is still permissible. 
But if you were to say candy the peels, well, that's no longer fruit now. That's candy. So right. It's not permissible. Okay. But it doesn't specifically say that. You have to kind of read between the lines and figure that out okay. for yourself. Right. Um, the same law also lowered the percentage of permitted non-malt fermentables to 50%. Hmm. So that was a question you had before. No, that category doesn't exist. Is there only two anymore. categories now then? Over 50, under 50? Uh, there are three categories, I believe. Okay. Um, but yes. So what this means is that uh, some Japanese craft breweries will deliberately include ingredients that are not on that list. Mm. Right. The uh, Because if you have a haposhu manufacturing license... You cannot make beer. You cannot make beer. So you have to put something into it that makes it not beer. And it used to be that you would see in a lot of uh, beer labels, like in, under the ingredients, orange peel or coriander. Mm. Right. I think coriander is in a, a category all of its own because that was a very popular thing right. to say that you were putting in your beer. Get out of jail free card. Haposhu, that's yeah. right. Put in one one piece of uh, coriander, one coriander seed, and that magically transforms the whole mm. batch into haposhu. Uh, and so we we are applying for a haposhu manufacturing license yep. because the way the law is currently set up, um, if you have a haposhu license, you have to make 6,000 liters of haposhu a year, make and sell and pay tax on in order to qualify for that license. Mm. If you want a beer license, you have to make and sell and pay tax on 60,000 liters a year, mm. which is a significantly larger amount. Yep. Uh, and so that that was also changed under the 2018 law. Uh, and so a lot of newer places that are starting up will deliberately try to add an ingredient that will change, magically transform their beer into haposhu mm. uh, in order to qualify for that. Um, under the old law, um, even adding permitted ingredients, but after fermentation had been completed, would change it into haposhu. So to give you an example, dry hopping. Fermentation's completed, you pull out all the yeast, and then you add hops. Okay, that used to be, well, that is now haposhu, because you wow. added something after the fermentation is completed. Wow, okay. And because a lot of these things are kind of left up to the good judgments of the local tax office, some places still think that that is the rule. Right. I have yeah. heard from other professional brewers that their local tax office say, well, you're not allowed to dry hop because that would turn it into haposhu. I don't think that's the law anymore. But, well, who am I to judge? I, I'm just uh, the person who makes the beer. I'm not the one who's... Uh, you're not an expert. No, obviously not. Um, the final thing that... Um, can change uh, beer to haposhu is if you add any one of those ingredients, but so those are permitted ingredients for beer, but it surpasses five percent of the mass of the malt used. Oh wow! So okay. say if you're using a hundred kilos mm -hmm. of malt to make mm -hmm. your beer, yeah. and you add six kilos of raspberry puree, you're in the clear. Then no, that's haposhu now. Yeah, yeah, right. that's what I mean. Well, you yes. have made haposhu. Yes. That's what your goal is. Yes, you, you have, have now made, made haposhu. You would have made haposhu. But if you weren't trying to, then you would you would have to you just use five or less kilos. For those listening at home, is that a realistic goal? Or is that too much fruit? Uh, it very much depends on the kind of beer you're trying to make. Mm. If you are making a fruit sour smoothie, you're absolutely going to be adding more okay. fruit than that. So but, it's doable. Um, if you're basing it on the way that people used to do it, um, say you're... You want to add your one coriander seed to change that into haposhu. Well, now you have to add five kilos of coriander. 
that's way more spice than anyone would ever right. reasonably add to a beer. But let's say you wanted to make a, a fruit, uh, a fruit wheat ale. Right. How would you be at more than five percent fruit to malt for a beer like that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I it might get into the technicality of how you weighed the stuff that you put in. Right. Uh, when we made our chocolate orange porter, we only added the zest, mm. but we added the zest of 30 kilograms of oranges. Right. We didn't put the rest of the oranges in, but there were 30 kilograms of oranges involved. The actual zest weighed, you know, a few hundred grams. Right. But I don't know on which side the tax office would come down on something like that. Right. Um, hopefully in the sensible way. That might give you a little wiggle room, though, right? Depending on which side of that equation you wanted to fall on. You could say, we used 10 kilograms of oranges if you wanted to be Haposhu. Right, yes. Or if you had a beer license and you wanted to be labeled as beer, you could say, we used 100 grams of orange, zest. orange peel. Yeah, orange yes, zest. exactly. Uh, yeah, so I would uh, surmise that um, if uh, a beer from a uh, West Coast Brewing was labeled as a Haposhu, like a super hoppy, hazy IPA, it might be because the total mass of the hops exceeded 5% of the weight of the malt. Mm. That might have been it. Uh, it could also be that they included um, a, a, a non-permitted ingredient. Right? I, we, we have talked on previous episodes about various enzymes and other things that you can add to beer to improve the hoppy flavor. Mm. That could have been it as well. I don't know, but that would be my guess. One final bit of this story, and maybe this is a tiny bit of good news amongst all the nonsense, is that uh, this change in the law also contains a plan to incrementally merge the tax rates for beer, haposhu, and other new genre beverages. Right. So that from uh, 1st of October 2026, all of them will be taxed at a flat rate, right, okay. which should hopefully lead to lower tax rates on craft beer. Mm. That's it. Thanks for sticking with that long story. Thank you very much for the question, Casey. Anything you want to add as a capstone? That was amazing. Thank you. Did some research. I took a lot of notes. I can see. So on with the quiz. Let's have it. Don't worry, you didn't have to be paying attention to any of that. Um, I have the names here of six beers that we sell or have sold in this tap room. All I want you to do is to tell me, beer or haposhu? Are you saying that I just listened to all that for nothing? Well, it was very educational, informative and interesting. Like I said, for nothing. Here are the beers. Number one, we have Kegelis waiting to go on tap in the fridge right now. It's yep. bread from Anglo-Japanese brewing. Beer or haposhu? It's a heiposh. Correct. Yeah. Why is that one haposhu? It's got bread in it. There you go. They put bread in it. <laughs> Non-permitted <laughs> ingredient. Start me off with an easy one. Number two, from one of our favorite breweries, Virginia Brewing's Sidecar Waypost. Tricky one. It has uh, lemon and orange peel, I think, in it. Lemon and orange zest. Uh, it's also barrel-aged. Does being barrel-aged do anything? You tell me. You were listening to everything I just told you, You said right? nothing about being <laughs> barrel-aged. I listened to everything for no reason. I'm going to say it's a boshu. Incorrect. That Damn one it. is a beer. Man. It's a beer. Okay. Um, 
Number three, a beer you should know very well. Mm. It's Haze Craze Tropical Crush. Haze Craze Tropical Crush. Uh, I'm going to say that's a beer. Correct. That one is a beer manufactured uh, at Seto Ichi Brewing, who have a beer license. Mm, so it's a beer. That's yep. a big, big brewery. Number four, from America, we're going back to San Diego. This one's from Belching Beaver. It's called Peanut Butter Milk Stout. Haposha. Correct, because peanut butter. it has peanut butter in it. Number five, from the same brewery, Peanut Butter Milk Stout Nitro. Uh, it's, it's still Haposha. It's got peanut butter in it. Incorrect. What? According to the label, that one was a beer. Oh, no. I fooled you. Uh, yeah, I, I checked that one. I, I wanted to find two beers that were very similar, but according to the labels were classified differently. I guess Man, maybe they had pool. less peanut butter in it. I don't know. Maybe we just wrote it right down wrong when we noted down the categories. Yeah, possibly. Final one. Okay. This is something we have in the fridge right now. It's extremely good beer. Mm-hmm. There are a few cans of it left. If you're listening and this sounds good to you, come in and grab one. The beer is from Carl Strauss, and it's called Tangible IPA. Mm, it has uh, orange juice in it, right? Is that a permitted ingredient? Yeah, I mean, you're not transmogrifying the fruit, right? Right. It's just, just juicing it. Yeah. I'm going to say that's beer. Incorrect. Damn that it. One is a I guess that the, uh, the orange juice exceeded 5% of the weight of the malt. Yes. I mean, who's, who's to know? With, a lot, with almost all of these Japanese governmental things, you can say, well, I think these are the rules. This is the result that came out. But what led to that result coming out Who knows? is entirely a mystery. Black it's a box. black box. We feed yeah. in the beers and the haposhus, and these results come out. How'd I go? Three out of six. That's not bad. Yep. Um, you get to keep your job and enjoy a few <laughs> beers. <laughs> uh, riddle me this, Trebek. Lactose. Yep. Does that make it haposhu? I don't believe that lactose was on the list of ingredients, although it did say sugar. Right. So, That's my question. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, yes, that is a permitted ingredient. Okay. Do you have the answer in front of you? No, of course not. Who Correct. does? Nobody does. So <laughs> who knows? Uh, let's spin the wheel of bearings and find out, is that a beer or a haposhu? Let me just flip this coin in front of me. The broader point is that when dealing with uh, microbreweries, that beer and haposhu doesn't really tell you anything about the quality of the product when you're dealing with kirin you're dealing with sapporo absolutely if it's labeled haposhu then uh some some serious corners have been cut to hit that tax bracket basically and to cut costs on that as much as possible um but when you're talking about microbreweries it could just be a question of the license as as you said earlier we're trying to get the uh, the haposhu license because the the minimum uh, amount that we need to brew each year is much lower. So all of our beers are going to be haposhu by hook or by crook or by lactose or by, well, not coriander anymore, but, but one, one, uh, one putting single 30 kilograms of coriander yeah. into everything. Peppercorn, pep- spices were on the list, so that won't work. Damn it. What about spice, like from Dune? Mm, I don't know. Uh, psychoactive substances. But it's just a little bit. Anyway, uh, Needs further research. all of our beers will be Haposhu. So when you're dealing with microbreweries, you might just be buying from a brewery that has a Haposhu license. So yeah. all of their beers are going to be that. So it's, it's really not an indicator of anything when you're dealing with uh, craft breweries. I hope that answers your questions. Your question, rather, Casey. I also know. hope he now knows what it feels like to have a promise, you know, upheld. Fulfilled, yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, Casey. Mm. 
Um, I hope you enjoyed. What a strange feeling it must be. That wonderful gift that we have delivered to you. That's about all we have time for this week. Uh, let's wrap things up by talking about what we've got coming up in the fridge, be it beer or haposhu. Is there anything that's going to be arriving uh, this week that you think people ought to know about? We, we still have a, just a few cans left of Stone's 26th anniversary beer and a few cans left, like a very few cans left. Of two the, cans left. Is it two? It is two of the uh, the Halloween Enjoy Buy. Yep. Uh, I drank it last night. It's awesome. Is that why we only have two cans left? <laughs> yeah, I drank like 30 of them last night. Okay, good. Uh, they just got better and better. I don't know. I couldn't stop. Anyway, that's uh, so we have a little bit of that left on Friday coming in. Uh, we ordered a bunch of Belching Beaver stuff, which we really like, including the aforementioned uh, Peanut Butter Milk Stout, which is one of your favorite beers. Yep. Uh, that's also a pretty hot one. People really like that. One of my favorite hot shoots, I think. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. Um, but uh, but I also want to shout out to our friends at Idrisil. Yep. Uh, this weekend is actually their fourth anniversary. They're down in Hiratsuka. Uh So if you are in the area or if you live in, in Kanagawa like me, then uh, pop on over to Idrisil and say congrats. It's always very interesting to me that we have these breweries that we've been ordering from ever since we opened or working with in various capacities. And then they have an anniversary event. I remember earlier this year we had Black Tide's Black Tide's second anniversary beer, and right. I was like, "You cannot be open for two years." But I remember that we met James uh, before they opened when we were planning our place. So uh, you know, it surprises me how young some of these places are. But anyway, uh, they're in their fourth year now celebrating that this weekend. So if you're in the area, pop in and say hi to them. Have some great beer with Davido. Uh, but if you're in our area, then we always have great beer on tap. Yeah, pop in, say hi to uh, Davido, enjoy some uh, heavy metal videos. Mm. Um, they still have uh, Slam Dank on tap there, yep. I believe. Uh, and I think I saw recently they might have um, the Resist Anti-Imperialism uh, mm. Stout yep, we uh, had on that tap. So we had that on tap in here for a bit. Extremely good beer. So, um, hey, if you're in the area, pop by and say hi. And hey, Davido. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Sakamichi Nights. I've been Matthew Boynton. I hope you have a good week and we will see you again next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your day.